Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisden World Cup Daily Podcast. Afghanistan's semi-final dream remains alive after a comfortable seven-wicket win over the Netherlands. With me to discuss that and look ahead to a massive day of World Cup action tomorrow is Cam Ponsonby. Cam, Afghanistan and routine World Cup victory weren't two things you would have really put together at the start of this tournament, but that's exactly what this was, wasn't it? Mate, business as usual. Afghanistan on a roll. I think it's three wins on the bounce, like... This is now the third time I've come in here to do kind of an Afghanistan game. And they've all been exactly the same, but with one loss and now two wins. And um, I mean, Yaz spoke about before in terms of Jonathan Trott and the coaching staff. This is a team where everyone always said, oh, they can beat you on their day. And they've now become a team where rather than a kind of coaching unit that's lifted their ceiling, their their kind of flaws come up, like their Mm -hmm. bad days are nowhere near as bad as they have been previously, bar perhaps... New Zealand and Bangladesh. Maybe they're still happening. Maybe it's one <laughs> round the corner. But it's been quite... Yeah, it's, it, all of a sudden, they've they've kind of breathed life into the World Cup where I think much many of us, myself included, kind of thought the jeopardy of semi-final qualification had gone. And now this kind of match against Australia, especially if they lose to England tomorrow, becomes in effect a kind of quarterfinal-ish type scenario. Yeah, I guess also because when, when we're saying they can beat someone on their day that's kind of looking at the talent that they've got and thinking yeah. like, you know, they had those two openers. So if one of them gets 150, maybe they can beat someone or they've got Rashid Khan and Majib. So if one of them, you know, goes on a roll, maybe they can beat someone. And these last two wins like haven't been that. They've, they've just, they've got a middle order now, don't they? It's, it's been remarkable. Hashmatullah, and I say this with all the love in the world, I, th- I think he is the best bad player I've ever seen in my life. Because <laughs> okay. I've, I've, there have been five matches in this World Cup where I've been up, where I've, been playing paying close attention to Afghanistan and I worked it out he averages 92 when I'm watching him uh, 184 runs for just twice out um, and I, I I still haven't seen a middle ball once I don't know if he's doing it when I'm kind of looking away from the screen or whatever um, Joe for like 
we always make this joke about uh, Joe Root and you look up and he's on 20 and you can't believe it. And I look up and I see Hashmet on 20 and I genuinely can't believe it. I, I don't understand where he scored these runs from. Every time I look at the board, uh, I look at the TV, it's kind of like hitting him in the gloves or he's splicing it out to the cover sweeper. But he's in, he's, he's batting, he's, he's winning. And like, he's obviously such an inspirational leader and figure to that group. Um, he kind of strikes me as a bit of like a club cricket captain where like his, his fielding isn't great. He might not be the most talented player within that group, but they all clearly respect him. And he's genuinely in the last three matches, he's, he's icing chases now for Afghanistan. He's been, he's given them a strength where one didn't previously exist. And yeah, I think I, I, I hope, I hope it, I hope the fact I like him shines through there rather than me just taking the, taking the piss out of him. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I also don't want to do a disservice to, to Jonathan Trott as describing him as like that. He, I mean, cause Jonathan Trott, he obviously was a very, technically proficient batter even if he wasn't the most yep. elegant at times but I guess we've talked about his impact on the team but Trot has said that actually uh Ajay Jadeja who is also in the coaching staff India batter in the in the 90s uh has also been a key component of that yeah and it's it's interesting in terms of we go back everyone saw that board that they put on the broadcast of when they were chasing 250 against Bangladesh or 242 to be precise uh, I might even be wrong. Uh, they just it was 242, yeah. Perfect. They just broke it down 50 after 10, 100 after 20, 150 after 30. And just that kind of, that clarity of communication that this is such a simple game. And as you mentioned earlier, they have guys who can get 100 off 70, 100 off 80. It's like, no, 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 we don't need that from you guys today. We just need clinical cricket. I think what the quote Trot said about Jadeja, who was brought in as kind of like a consultant ahead of the World Cup, was like, uh, Jadeja obviously brings a lot of experience having played a lot of cricket in India. He's always a good sounding board with regards to conditions and the venues and probably also the other subcontinent teams that we've played against. He has a lot of experience in that way, having played against a lot of different countries. And it does, it's very easy to kind of make a one brings two scenario, but Jadeja's come into that group they're performing much better. They're performing in much kind of calmer, uh, effective ways. And you kind of have a lot of credit has to go his way as well. So, something I think should be mentioned as well is Hashmat spoke at the end and kind of mentioned in particular um, that his mum had died three months ago and kind of the amount of personal pride he was uh, kind of playing for from with his family. And also just the wider, there's a um, refugee crisis happening uh, in Afghanistan and Pakistan at the moment where an expulsion order has been given out in Pakistan and so I think it's an Afghanistan team who are representing a lot and kind of carrying a lot of hopes on their back at the moment. Yeah it's the first uh, of what's going to be a, a, an unusually geopolitical podcast I think. This my favourite that's my favourite types of cricket podcasts yeah. the geopolitical ones. Well that but also you quite like funny run out podcasts right? I do love those as well actually Which, they're my two favourite things my two favourite sub genres of cricket yeah run outs and geopolitics. We've got to do a bit of that first because this was I mean, it's just Netherlands, this is not what you expect from them. The first time in men's ODI history that four of the top five for any team have been run out. I think if you told me before this game that one of the sides has had four players run out, I would have needed two guesses to, to yeah. get who it was. <laughs> um, but this, uh, yeah, it was it was just a, a bit a bit farcical. And and for a side that, you know, if they, they are realistic about their place in the game, but also ambitious. And when you're those two things, you need to not make errors like this and yet they just kept doing it it was weird wasn't it it was really bizarre and especially when, when you said to me that stat is like it's the first time ever in ODI cricket that four of the top five have been run out like that made sense I yeah. was like yeah I was like that's not stats that surprised me at all but they're all they're all very different types of run out so Max O'Dowd got run out first coming back from from two and like coming back for a two after he paddle swept down to kind of deep fine mm -hmm. leg 
it was a direct hit. And I, I think it'd be too harsh to call him lazy mm-hmm. because if anything, like the throw from Asmatullah was lazy. He's literally just got the ball and he's wang, wanged it in as quickly as he possibly can. Um, just kind of off balance, not thinking. And it's a direct hit and it's kind of caught Max Dowd unawares. And, and they were flying at that point. I think they were kind of 70 odd for one or 80 for one, 90 for two even, sorry. And then... Ackerman, Colin Ackerman was burnt by Engelbrecht. Engelbrecht was really struggling. He was about off, on about 12 or 30. And he's run down the track and he's kind of bunted it to the left of mid-off where Rashid Khan is. And because he's already got his momentum going and he's three yards down the track having played the shot, that's a run for him. He makes it home incredibly comfortably. Colin Ackerman goes pretty much with the throw. Doesn't hesitate too much and he's run out of the striker's end. And that's really the point where the game turned because... That wicket brought Scott Edwards to the crease, the sweepologist. He literally plays he plays more sweeps. He plays 30% of balls he faces from spin and ODI cricket. He sweeps. And that I think is the second most in like the cricket viz database going. Nice. And so he plays against the Afghanistan team. They've got four spinners. You're like, perfect. And basically, Mohammed Nami bowls this away swinger to him. He didn't turn a ball all day. He goes to sweep his first ball. It clips his pad on the way through. He gets up to run, not knowing where the ball is, and is run out because he's attempting a run but I think your casual cricket fan would probably assume that he'd been stumped and then finally we had a normal uh, uh, run out where Engelbrecht was just um, yeah pause in the middle he was run out having run out his mate earlier I think it was Rolf van der Merwe kind of returned the favour so four four run outs let's talk about what this means then for the competition Afghanistan's have four wins from seven so they can still get up to six wins the two snags are their two games are against Australia and South Africa two of yeah. the best sides of the competition so far and they could still win both of those and not go through. Because if Australia beat England and Bangladesh, right. they would be on six wins. And New Zealand beat Pakistan and Sri Lanka, they would be on six uh, wins. Okay. Yeah. Neither of those are that unlikely, actually. And pa- Afghanistan's net run rate is still not great. And maybe they could have gone a bit harder today. I don't know. Uh, but they'll be watching tomorrow's action keenly because if either of those games goes the way of England or Pakistan, yeah. Afghanistan's fate will be back in their hands um so that's exciting and for netherlands it means it's a dent to their champions trophy chance i guess but they still have yeah. england to play so that just not that's not a sentence i i, I cannot get past <laughs> the idea that england and netherlands will be like a close contest england have they're not that bad already netherlands beat south africa maybe they're really good yeah guys. maybe um okay cam yes. joel edwards asks given the precedent that ca set in january will australia not play afghanistan on tuesday uh, is the reason is the reason given then no longer valid? This is a bit of a complex one, so it's probably yeah. worth us being thorough and me giving as much of the background as I as I can before everyone starts sort of you know tuning out. Uh, so back in January, Australia pulled out of playing a three match ODI series against Afghanistan, which was going to be staged in the UAE. Uh, a statement from Cricket Australia at the time said. Cricket Australia is committed to supporting growing the game for women and men around the world, including in Afghanistan, and will continue to engage with the Afghanistan Cricket Board in anticipation of improved conditions for women and girls in the country. And the context then was the education ban imposed on women and girls in Afghanistan not long before that tour. That's not the first time that Australia had pulled out of playing Afghanistan. They'd cancelled a test against them in late 2021, shortly after the Taliban takeover of the country, but they did play them at the 2022 World Cup between the test and the ODI series. Uh, I think it's fair to say the reaction to Australia's decision earlier this year was mixed. So Rashid Khan, who it's worth saying, has also spoken out against the education ban himself. He threatened to pull out of the BBL, but the decision was praised by 
the Australian government and I think quite large sections of the Australian media. Uh, we at Wisden have covered this before from a few angles. And I think in particular, if I could point you in one direction, Katia wrote a brilliant piece talking to some of the Afghan women's cricketers who had fled the country. Uh, the boycott wasn't a focus of that piece, but they were asked about it. Fraser Afghan spoke about feeling a lack of support from the men's team, but also said, we don't want for the men's team ever to be banned or not play, but we want them to support us and stand with us because it's our right to play cricket. I think they're feeling what we're feeling for the first time. So I think, summing all that up, it's probably reasonable to say that you can have either view on the boycott legitimately, and that is a, a debate that's worth having, but that unless Australia are planning to boycott this game and there's no sign that they are, their stance is at best inconsistent, I think. Yeah, and I, I think it's... At first, when it, this kind of came back around, it was like, is it is it going to be a case? Are, are Australia going to boycott the match? I kind of rolled my eyes because, like, of course, of course, they're not going to. But actually, I think I, I do think it's a, a valid question. I don't think it's a kind of a gotcha example of like a journalist kind of thinking I, they can grab a headline. Mm-hmm. It's not because, what about them at all, is it? Yeah, it's, it's 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 a case. No one forced Australia to or cricket Australia to put out the statements as strong as they did. It suited them at that period of time. It was a, a three-match ODI series where it was kind of squeezed in between the IPL and whatever, and like not playing was kind of in their, probably in their players' rest and rotation benefit. And Australia um, don't have the best record of fulfilling these kind of engagements anyway, yes. I think it's also fair to say. And kind of their, I think it was their CEO or chairman, Nick Hockley, the quote from him is like, basic human rights is not politics. It's a very, very strong stance to take. And if that kind of moral fibre is bendy depending on whether it's a bilateral competition or an ICC sanctioned event. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a fair crit- a fair question to ask of Cricket Australia. One, they, they will play the fixture. Be, I'll be shocked if they don't, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's a question put to kind of Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins in the next seven days. Mm. Well, I think that that is enough geopolitics for one 20-minute cricket oh. podcast. So uh, in part two, we'll talk about Ben Stokes's knee. Cam, Sam Pye asks, uh, if the timeline for recovery is touch and go, is there a reason England's test captain is delaying his knee surgery until the end of the tournament? Uh, ben Stokes has said today that he'll be having surgery on his troublesome knee after the tournament ends, and he said that he'll be fit for India. Uh, is this all just fine then, or is it a bit odd that he unretired from ODI cricket knowing that he needed this done? It is a bit odd. First of all, Sam Pye, Beddington Cricket Club's finest. I'm aware, I'm aware of his work in the captaining the force. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and um, it is odd and it's been going on for a long time. So if we go all the way back to kind of January when England were playing away to New Zealand, Ben Stokes didn't bowl there. And do you remember England lost that test having enforced the follow on and like Ollie Robinson, Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson bowled shitloads having like this whole idea is we we're going to look after them. They were going to rotate them around. And Stokes had a very, very kind of media prepared answer at the end of that test about, I know what I'm doing. We're looking after it. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's fine. I'm going to go to the IPL. The IPL is actually part of my rehabilitation plan. Basically, that was the way it was kind of presented. He went to the IPL. I think he bowled about one over. And then the problems just kind of rolled on and rolled on and rolled on. And now it seems a bit odd because... I don't mind too much that he's come out of retirement because I think if it was if England were nine if the tournament hadn't gone as badly as it has and England are ninety for three chasing two hundred and sixty in the World Cup final and Ben Stokes was sat at home icing his knee everyone being like come on like why is Ben Stokes not out there but now it's gone as badly as it has done I'm a bit confused about why they're putting another ten days into this kind of process or two weeks where 
he's waiting till the end of the competition to get it done. And now there's a, the quote is, it should be fine for the start of the series. Like maybe I, I won't quite be ready to bowl at the beginning, but hopefully at the back end of the, two, the five tests, I will be able to. That's the point where I go, just go now. Like, sure, just get on a plane. It's fine. Let Harry Brook play three matches and go and have your surgery. That's the part that I think is bizarre. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. For me, like, sure, he might well be able to to, to beat the clock and to, uh, to have surgery, you know, a couple of days after he gets back to be, for, for it all to be on the mend, him to be signed off before the start of that series. But surely he's going to be in a better position to play that if he has the surgery beginning, middle of August, and then has a full, yeah. like, four months to recover, to actually spend some time in the nets. Because we've also seen Stokes, after periods of absence, take his time to get back to form. I don't think he is actually one of these guys who can just suddenly hit the ground running. And the the, the test captaincy, to me, that's his main job. And sure. I might be in the minority here. Maybe people do care about World Cups more than test series in India. But that test series in India, that's the thing that's going to define him and that's the thing I would really like to see England have their best possible crack at and it feels like it might well be at least slightly diminished because of Ben Stokes choosing to do this and there's I know you want to come back in there's one more thing I want to say on it is that like I guess I'm just losing patience is too strong but willing to give him less and less benefit of the doubt in terms of what he says about his medical situation because he has basically been not completely straightforward about it like you know and maybe he's needed to be uh deliberately vague when he said i have i've had a, i've got a really good plan around the knee yeah, yeah. and then has, has not said what that is and has sort of suggested that no i actually can't really have surgery it's not really that sort of thing but actually he could have had surgery and it felt like if he'd made clear back when he said maybe i can't have surgery that he could have had surgery people might have been more forthright in saying well have the surgery don't i'm retired from odio cricket and the fact that he's saying it now he's like He's done the unretirement thing, sort of saying, am I able to have the surgery? I don't know. And now he's saying, like, oh, I can have the surgery and I'm, you know, I'm probably going to be done with ODI cricket again. That's kind of how it feels to me is that he's been deliberately vague in ways that have allowed him to do the things that he wants to do. Whereas if the, and not, you know, medical stuff, maybe people shouldn't have access to all the information. But I think if people did know that surgery was a viable option for Ben Stokes at the end of the ashes, there would have been, a public feeling among English cricket fans for him to know you get that sorted out because we want you back to your best for the job that is your main job. Yeah, I definitely agree that he's been deliberately vague. And I think that's probably a, a prerogative of a, lot of a lot of athletes. They, they don't want to, for whatever reason, they don't want to kind of tell the full story. Um, the, the reports are saying it's kind of chronic tendonitis. Apparently a Chris, he's going to have surgery with the same surgeon that sorted out Chris Wokes and had and Chris Wokes is like, it's like, yeah, this, this guy's the real deal. I think it was, I read Ali Martin's piece in the Guardian talking about that. Um, but I think I just come, I never really took his retirement from ODI cricket at face value. I, I, I don't think I was ever surprised that when he went, oh, surprise, like I'm back. It's like, and he said that himself, that he, he retired to kind of throw the press off, which was a really, I found quite bizarre because I don't think it it did throw anyone off. He he basically missed a dozen ODIs, which I mean I've missed hundreds of ODIs. Yeah, and, and Joe Root didn't play in any of the ODIs that Ben Stokes missed as well. I think that's a great stat if that that is the case. But um, yeah, I, I I would I disagree in that I think it would have been bizarre had uh, Ben Stokes not gone to this World Cup. I think it would have um, kind of fueled the fires of of it not being the prestigious event that we kind of hope we want to hold it as 
my confusion is now we we're trying to have everything in the best case scenario ben stokes wins england the world cup goes and has a surgery a couple of days later is bowling in the first test um in rajkot hyderabad and um but that's not the case in my for my view the best case scenario at the moment would be he's on a flight tomorrow and he goes and gets gets his knee done and then is, has the best chance to be bowling the first or second test. Fair enough. I mean, he is expected to play tomorrow against Australia. And I suppose, I mean, this is, this is a huge day of fixtures. I mean, England could do with a win for their their Champions Trophy hopes that you, you think is, is, is safe anyway. But no if, dramas. If, if they were to win, that would also make the Afghanistan-Australia game, I guess, if that happens, even more interesting. And the other game is New Zealand-Pakistan. And again, if Pakistan win, that sets things up beautifully. I mean, they've got a bit of a net run rate deficit to make up, but tomorrow's... Yeah the day to do it because the margin effectively counts twice because it's against New Zealand. And given the, you know, New Zealand lost three on the bounce coming off an absolute hammering injury concerns. They've called up Kyle Jamieson. Pakistan have got Fak as a man back in, in form. They could do could it, do couldn't it. they? Tomorrow is a day to support England and Pakistan. The sake, for the sake of the competition, everyone's lives will be so much more exciting if that's the way it goes. New Zealand have, have I, and I think Matt Roller from Crickinfo has spoken about this, in terms of the need for bigger World Cup scores, because it does feel absolutely ludicrous at the moment how kind of bare bones um, New Zealand are. Like they've had to fly someone out basically for an effect like a must-win World Cup match, which is just a ludicrous scenario. It's, it's actually one of those um, examples where I don't actually think there's that much nuance mm-hmm. to the to the debate. I think it, I think if they upped the squad size to eighteen or twenty for 2027 no one's going to go whoa like that's ridiculous they'll go oh that's a good point actually we probably should have changed that before um but yeah tomorrow if australia and new zealand win we have a, a week of just kind of twiddling our thumbs until the uh so well we've got all the champions trophy playoffs it's such a good tournament dynamic so <laughs> I, I honestly it's uh, they've announced it or it was revealed at the perfect time i yes. loved it yeah uh yeah I, and i guess if tomorrow does go, I suppose, as expected with a New Zealand and Australia win, there will still be something riding on that Afghanistan-Australia game. Not There's as much, though, because Afghanistan will then have to win their final game as well and they'll need Australia. They're, they're, then there's too many permutations, basically. Yeah, yeah. But I, well, I think we'll convince ourselves there's something. For, for the sake right. of ourselves, we'll convince, them, we'll convince ourselves there's something else. Uh, you do more of these on. daily pods than I do. I, 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 <laughs> I can tell it down the line. It'd be terrible. <laughs> okay, well... Join us tomorrow when the World Cup group stages will either be basically all over or neck and neck with a week to go. Uh, Thank you for listening. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.